Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy, and you tune in today because you're sick of trying every fad diet under the sun and training yourself into the ground without seeing any results. That's why I'm here to share the most effective ways to eat and train for sustainable and real results. Hey guys, welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. Um, I've got a full show today on programming. I'm going to be going through the step-by-step process that I follow when putting together a gym program and workouts for clients or myself. And hopefully by the end of today's show, you'll have a great understanding of how you can put together one for yourself. But you'll also understand why you're doing certain things in your training program. And if you've ever been given a workout plan or a program by myself or by any coach or PT or whoever it may be, or if you just found one online, you'll hopefully have a better understanding as to how it's laid out and the different bits and pieces that come into play when we actually do put one together. Um, so I think everybody's going to gain a lot of value from today's episode. And if you do, please do take a screenshot, post it up on Instagram story for me. Um, I'd love to see who's listening and also get your feedback um, on this episode. If you think that somebody you know could benefit from hearing it as well, feel free to to pass it on, tell them about it or, or tag them in your story as well so then they can, they can see this episode. So we'll get stuck straight into it. Um, I guess the, the first thing that I always keep in mind um, the first thing I ask a potential client or online or in person is what style of training um, the individual likes. So I think that's the most important thing to take into account before we do anything else is what style of training do you like? Because, you know, I sent this out in an email to my email list this morning, which you guys can sign up to for, for free um, in the show notes below. But I, I said, I was talking about how there's no such thing as fat loss workouts. Okay, so... There's no particular workout that's going to make you lose fat. That's not how it works. Um, you know, there's workouts that are going to aid that by increasing energy output and whatnot. But the thing I said in this email is that it's it's all well and good to follow along with the trend or follow along with the tricky marketing techniques um, that we see to draw us into to following certain programs or workouts in the belief that it's going to give us a desired result. But the problem with that is that a lot of the time, people that are following these workouts don't even enjoy it. So the first the first priority. I think when it comes to to finding a training plan or finding a gym or finding a style of training is to make sure that you enjoy it. So when I'm programming for someone, I need to make sure that the the program I give them, the service that I'm providing them because they have paid me or even if it's just for free or if I'm doing something for you guys online or whatever it is, is that you're actually enjoying it. So if I if I absolutely hate um let's say if I if I'm someone that absolutely hates barbell exercises, okay? I prefer to use dumbbells or body weight or medicine balls, whatever it may be. And I'm not going to make a program or I'm not going to provide a program to somebody which is filled with barbell exercises. So, uh, you know, if it's more of a functional style of training you like or if it's more of a bodybuilding style of training where it's a lot of isolation exercises, these are things you need to take into account before you even put together the program or start putting it together. So that's, I guess, the first step is figuring out your style what you enjoy most and making sure you stick to that because even though there's certain things that are optimal on paper and in theory, if you can't stick to it or if you don't enjoy it, it's not optimal. There's there's no two ways about that. Um, you need to make sure that it's something that you enjoy because that's what's going to keep you coming back. That's what's going to keep you motivated. That's what's going to make you put in that 110% every time you go into the gym. So that's the first step. The second thing we need to figure out is how many days per week can you train? 
okay? So that's the next thing we need to work out because a major factor in putting together a program, in my opinion, is that we should be targeting each muscle group at least two times per week, okay? So, um, you know, unfortunately, and this is just my opinion, but unfortunately, you know, gone are the days where you're just following your typical bodybuilder split or, or, or training program you've seen online where you're training each muscle group once per week and just absolutely smashing it. I just don't think that's enough. Our bodies are recovered well and truly before that seven-day break to, to do it again. And I think the more times we can stimulate the muscle group per week, the better. Um, I guess a good example would be if I'm training legs on a Monday and I'm, I'm just training each muscle group once per week, all right? So if I do legs, I absolutely smash my legs. Um, I do a lot of volume in that session. The session starts well. As it goes on, because I'm so fatigued, the quality of the session drops right off. And then I give myself literally six or seven days until I, I train my legs again. Now, the other option we have is to train them twice per week. So let's say we do legs on Monday and Thursday. So on the Monday, we may do a little bit less volume in that session, so not as big of a session, but the quality stays a lot higher. We lift more weight because we're not as fatigued, okay? And then on the second day of the week, we, we rotate the exercises. We have a bit more variety in the session. We may focus on a different compound lift. We keep our weight up because we've recovered enough in between sessions. Our overall volume is a lot higher. We've now done two sessions instead of one. We've stimulated those muscle groups more than once per week. So the outcome, in my opinion, is going to be far more beneficial, far greater than what it would be training them once per week. And I guess the typical saying that I always say to people that are currently doing each muscle group once per week is imagine well, what do you think would, would give you better results? Training a muscle group 52 times per year or 104? And I think it's just an absolute no-brainer. It's not rocket science. I think we should be targeting each muscle group twice per week. So that um, is, a, is a big reason why we need to know how many days per week can you train so we can figure out what our training split is going to be. Now, I've actually done an episode on training splits, just a full episode just on training splits and how you can structure them throughout your week. So you can go back through and have a, have a listen to that one Um I go through all different styles of splits, but just a few examples. If we're training three days per week, okay, so you're telling me that you can go to the gym three days per week, and I'm trying to target each muscle group twice per week. A simple setup there may be upper body, lower body, and then full body. If I can train four times, it might be upper body, lower body, then upper body, lower body again. Um, if we're training five, it might be an upper body, a lower body, an upper body push, so targeting you know, chest, triceps, and delts. Um, or, and then it might be legs again, then it might be upper body pull. So back, biceps, rear delts, each muscle group twice per week. So depending on how many days you can train per week, this will help us figure out what the best training split is. Like I said, I'm not going to go into any more detail about that now. Go back through and have a listen to that episode on programming um, and on training splits. Sorry, I break it right down and I think you'll find um, it very helpful. But that's the next step is we figure out how many days we can train. And I always say to people as well, especially when I send through questionnaires to, to new online clients, the question I ask is, how many days can you train on a shit week? Okay, a week where work's very busy, um, you know, you've got a lot going on outside of, of just going to the gym. How many days a week can you train? If the answer to that is five, then we'll put together a five-day program. If an answer to that is two, then we'll put together a two-day program with some optional extra sessions on the weeks that you have more time. So there's no point planning for a six-day training program if you know in your own head that you're probably only gonna to get to the gym four to five times per week. 
you're setting yourself up for failure there. So figure out how many days you can go on a shit week and that is what we will use um, for our training split. Anything on top of that is extras. It's a bonus. Um, that's all well and good, but at least we know we've done our minimum sessions and we can plan accordingly. Now, the next question I, I keep in mind when programming is what is the goal? And that's going to help us figure out what rep ranges and exercises and stuff we need to use, what style of workouts, but we need to know what the goal is. Um, is it to build muscle mass? Is it to lose body fat? Is it to maintain our strength? Is it to increase athletic performance? Is it to rehab um, a, a certain muscle or, or area of our body that needs to be rehabbed? Is it to work on balance? Is it to work on our core strength explosiveness? Whatever that goal is, um, we, we need to know what that is. We need to know what the goal is otherwise because similar to nutrition, a lot of the time there's no kind of one-size-fits-all when it comes to training. Okay, and I think there's there's a lot more um, room there to be able to follow a program and still get great results if it's not tailored for a certain individual. But um, there are specific factors of the training program that need to be taken into account if we want to get the most out of it for our given goal. So if our if our aim is to build muscle mass, then we're going to be trying to get in a lot of strength work to build up our our overall strength, but then a lot of volume as well. We're going to need to pick exercises that we enjoy that are going to allow us to progressively overload over time. Um, we're going to need to take into a number of different factors. Now, if we're talking about fat loss, in my opinion, it doesn't change too much, but we need to figure out whether or not we want to have some cardio and conditioning in there as well to increase our energy expenditure. Um, we know that cardio doesn't automatically just equal fat loss, but it can be a great tool to increase our, our energy output. So that may be something that you take into account as well. Um, it may just be about having more overall volume, okay? So you might say that if you're trying to build muscle mass, you want to keep your calories um, you know, just above maintenance in a slight calorie surplus, and you might be doing a little bit less volume for the week, but you're lifting more weight, okay? Um, you know, not expending as much energy so you don't have to eat as much. If we're losing fat, a, a great tactic or, or way that I've done it in the past when I'm trying to lose fat is to expend as much energy as I can from my strength and resistance training. So I did a lot more volume. Um, I was training five to six days per week in the gym. I wasn't doing any extra cardio, but my weight sessions were very, very high in volume. Started off with a couple of big lifts and then went into a lot of reps um, and got a lot done every session. And that's what that's where my energy expenditure was coming from. So that's the, the next thing we need to keep in mind is what is the specific goal? The next step is exercises. So exercise selection. Now, my, my theory with exercise selection is something to keep in mind is that we are trying to work on movements, not specific exercises, unless you are a powerlifter. Um, who obviously needs to work on the squat, bench, and deadlift. We're trying to work on movements and muscle groups. So there is so many different exercises we can choose from to get the desired result or the outcome that we're after. Just because a bench press is known as a good chest exercise doesn't mean that we have to do bench press to build up our chest. If we don't like bench press, don't fucking do bench press. Okay, so the exercise selection I think is important. Again, it needs to be exercises that you enjoy. Similar thing with lower body. If you hate squats, then don't do squats. Okay, you don't need to do squats to see results. I think they are a great exercise, but if I hated them, I wouldn't do them. There's a few exercises that I just cannot stand, so I just don't do them. And for me, that's going to work out better in the long run because I'm going to be so much more motivated to train. Um, I'm going to be in there probably progressing a lot, a lot quicker than what I would be following an exercise that I don't like. So exercise selection is important. Um, now, how, well, I guess the subcategory 
um, to, to exercises is whether we're doing compound or isolation exercises. So a compound lift or a big lift is classified as a multi-joint um, movement. So we're using multiple muscle groups to perform a movement. They're the big lifts such as your squats, bench press, deadlift, overhead press, lunges, um, rows, pull-ups. These are our big movements that are, mo- that are utilizing multiple muscle groups at the one time um, that are expending more energy. We're lifting more weight. And they're kind of our builders. They're our building blocks. These are the, the foundational exercises that our program should be made on. Okay, so if I'm training lower body, I would typically, upper or lower body, I typically tend to start every session with two to three big compound lifts before going into more accessory and isolation exercises as the session goes on. So they're our building blocks. So at the start of the session, as I said, I'll do my my warm-up stuff. There may be some mobility, activation, whatever. And then we move into the first lift, which is always a compound lift in my opinion. There are certain intensity techniques such as pre-exhaustion and things like that where we can start with isolation for people that are a bit more advanced. But even then, in my opinion, I'm still a big fan of keeping those compound lifts first. So an example of a lower body day might be our first three lifts could be a Romanian deadlift, a box squat, and then a barbell lunge. Okay, so three big lifts. For a lot, an upper body day, let's say we're doing um, an upper body pull day, might start off with pull-ups, a high bench row, and then maybe a lat pull-down. So three big movements, it could be two, um, depends what it is. Sometimes it may be one big movement at the start of the session, depending on how much volume um, you're doing. These are our building blocks. These are the foundational exercises that we want to make sure we are progressively overloading on as often as possible. Now, the isolation and accessory exercises I still think it is important to be overloading on those over time, but what you need to keep in mind is that you are overloading an exercise. At the, if you're overloading an exercise at the start of the session, your fatigue is going to be a lot higher than moving in towards the the back part of the session, the end of the session. So, what that means is that if I've just done squats and I've I've hit a PB, so I've done more on squats than I've ever done before. I can't then expect every other exercise for the rest of the session to be able to be overloaded and progressed as well because I'm going to be past that point of fatigue. So what I like to do after I get my two to three compound movements out of the way, these are the ones that, these are my building blocks. These are the the exercises where I'm making sure I'm tracking, I'm progressing over time, making sure we're overloading. I then go on to accessory and isolation exercises. So an isolation exercise is typically a single joint exercise or, or an exercise where you're targeting one specific muscle group. So such as a bicep curl, a leg extension, tricep push down, things like that, even lateral raises um, for our shoulders. These are isolation exercises, but we can also be doing accessory movements. Now, accessory movements, um, a lot of the time are isolation exercises, but they may even be compound lifts done in a way that it is going to help us build up our, our bigger lifts. So, um, you know, an exercise such as a single leg pistol squat, I think these are fantastic in building up your actual squats or even a barbell hip thrust. That's an accessory movement for me sometimes in a session where I'm trying to get more volume in and build up my glutes so that I can then help my squats and deadlifts. So our big lifts are out of the way. We move on to accessory and isolation. Typically, the rep ranges for these these are a little bit higher. We are still trying to overload, but if we cannot overload these exercises, I like to work off an RPE. And what that is, a rate of perceived exertion. So 
you know, something like, for example, a nine out of 10 would mean that you literally had maybe one rep left in the tank. Whereas a one out of 10 would mean that you probably could have done 10 to 15 more reps than what you did. So trying to keep the intensity up but not worrying too much about the weight because we, we should always be focused on form over weight, obviously. Um, but the exercises, so that's that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at big lifts first. So the, they're the meat of the workout. They're the main foundation of our workout. And then we use isolation and accessory exercises to get more volume in, um, to increase more energy, to sorry, increase energy expenditure and to work on our weak points as the session goes on. So as the session does go on, um, we get to more isolation towards the end uh, once we're already fatigued. And they're, they're also, the other reason why we do this towards the end of the session is because these are less dangerous. A lot of these exercises are less dangerous in terms of, of doing an injury or injuring ourselves in certain ways. So obviously, a deadlift is a lot more technical and requires a lot more energy and focus and coordination than something like a bicep curl, which is pretty straightforward. Um, so these are things that you, you should keep in mind as well. Now, moving on. Now, so the other thing I, I need to touch on, sorry, before moving on to, to the next part is with these exercises, they can be rotated, even with our compound lifts. So let's say we're doing a bench press as our, our compound lift on an upper body push day a flat barbell bench press, if we get four, five, six weeks down the track and we're just bored with bench press, we may swap that out for a dumbbell chest press. We may do an incline press, a decline press, a barbell floor press. As I said before, we want to think about movements, not exercises, okay? Because it's not the specific exercise that's giving you results. It's overloading certain movements that are targeting muscle groups that are giving you these results. So variety is very important. I don't think you should be changing them up all the time, particularly our compound lifts. They should stay set in stone for a little bit longer. It's like learning any skill. We, the more we practice it properly, the better we're going to get at it and and the more likely we're going to be able to overload those over time. But that's another thing to think about. With isolation and, and accessory movements, so the later part of the session, I typically change mine up a lot. Like most sessions, my this back part of the session is quite different than what it was the week before or the session before. I like to keep it interesting. I, I use my two to three lifts at the start of the session as my benchmark exercises. And then the rest of the session, I like to, to have a bit of variety in there. Now, when choosing rep ranges, uh, that's the next thing we want to look at. This obviously comes down to what your goal is. Typically for me, anywhere from, say, you know, two to three reps up to six reps. So let's say between two and six reps for me is strength. Okay, that is strength, or it could be power if you're using if you're if you're using sorry lightweight and um, at, at a fast rate, so the reps are being done um, at, at a maximum intensity, very fast things like box jumps or even um, hand cleans and shit like that. With you might be using lighter lighter loads with low reps, plyometric exercises and things like that. But between two and six reps for me is strength. Okay, so that's that's the rep range that I would like to stick to if I'm trying to get strong on an exercise. The, the rest time can be anywhere from, let's say, two minutes up to five minutes. For, for lifts like squats and deadlifts, I typically like to rest until I feel good to go again, unless I'm doing high volume with you know high reps and strict rest times. That's what I'm looking at. I'm making sure that I'm ready to go again, give myself a bit more time. As the rep ranges increase and the load decreases, which we'll talk about in a second, the, rep, the rest time in between for me starts to drop off. So, Anywhere between six and ten, I still classify as strength, but we are moving into 
more of a hypertrophy rep range. Okay, so typically between eight to fifteen reps is your hypertrophy range where you're building building muscle mass. Your your goal is to build mass. Between six and ten, obviously the lower end of that range, you know, six to eight reps is still going to be helping build up our strength. And as those reps increase up towards ten, um, we start to build more into into building more muscle mass. So the rep ranges in there, uh, sorry, the rest time in there, I'd be going from anywhere between a minute up to two minutes even, depending on what the exercise is and what your your goal is and rep range. Um, anything above 10 reps, let's say 10 to 20 reps or even above, uh, for me, is endurance and muscle growth. Okay, so we're, we're working on hypertrophy, but we're also working on endurance. If we're doing really high rep sets with a, a very light or moderate load, then we're working on our endurance just as it would be if we were doing a, a longer distance or a longer duration um, cardio session compared to a very short but high intensity um, so that's the rep ranges that you're you're looking at. So your lower rep ranges with heavier loads are targeted towards strength and power. As we move up those rep ranges and the loads decrease, we then look more towards building building muscle, so hypertrophy and muscular endurance as well. So that's how we that's how we pick these rep ranges. I think it's important to have a variety in your workout of not just the same, not just the one rep range. Um, I think it can be some some differences in there obviously it depends what progression you're going with if we're doing like a linear progression like a linear um, periodized program typically the loads start a bit lighter and the rep range is higher and then as the weeks go on the loads increase and the rep ranges um, decrease so the intensity goes up and the volume goes down but it does it does just change it does chop and change some of you know what probably my favorite training program i've ever used is a, a strength slash kind of power and hypertrophy program where the start of the week um, is an upper body and then a lower body strength slash power day so really high intensity so high loads lower rep ranges building up that strength and then as the week goes on so the, the second session of the week on that muscle group is higher volume so higher rep ranges a little bit lower loads that for me that has been a really enjoyable way to train for a long time now now the last thing i wanted to talk about in in these programs is is deloading and and what that actually is and when you should should do it. So, a deload is typically where you'll have you know between a day up to a week, even sometimes two weeks of a, a vastly reduced training load to help with recovery, to reset or refresh and then start again. Um, some signs that you may need a deload could be things like you know just um, abnormally mentally fatigued, so not that motivated not really looking forward to going into the gym, can't concentrate, your sleep may be slightly off, your recovery between sessions is not going too well, you haven't progressed in the gym for quite some time, so your progressively overload has kind of plateaued, um, your motivation, as I said, motivation is low, getting a few niggles, and, and you know, typically for most people, this will happen from between four to six weeks of training, so Let's say after every six weeks of training, I want to program a deload. On that seventh week, instead of going about my usual session, I'll either kind of do one of a few options. I'll either come into the gym, do my full workout like I normally would with a reduced load, so maybe 40 to even 50% less um, weight than what I would usually use on the exercises, or I will keep the weight exactly the same as what I would usually use, so keep the weight up, but reduce the amount of reps or sets or, or both that I'm doing. So instead of saying doing, you know, the two options for, for a deload on, let's say a bench press, if we usually do three sets of 10 at 100 kilos, 
then I may come in and choose to do three sets of 10 at say 60 to 70 kilos, or I may come in and do two sets of 10 or even two sets of eight at the 100 kilos. So the intensity is still up, but the volume drops right off. Now, the purpose of the deload is obviously physical repair, so physical recovery, but also mental as well. It gives us a chance to refresh, let our motivation come back up, um, give ourselves a bit of a break. And for some people, they may even just not train at all. Or, or really reduce load by, by getting rid of training days for that week and just letting our body and our minds recover and then coming back the next week and getting back into our training again and starting to focus on overload once again. And you'd be very surprised at how much of an effect it can have on your training. It's like taking one step backwards to take two steps forward. Um, it, a lot of the time I struggled, I still do now struggle with taking deloads because I just want to smash it. I feel like I'm not doing enough and it can be a little bit harder mentally to deal with because you genuinely feel like you're not doing enough. feel like you're taking it easy or, or, or being a bit soft with your training, which is not the case. Um, you, you need to give your body and your mind time to recover so then in the long run, you're going to progress. And if you're not doing that, if you're just running yourself into the ground, we get to the point where we're talking about kind of diminishing returns where we're putting in all this work or actually doing ourselves no favors. So that's another another aspect of a training program you should definitely keep in mind as well. Now, I'm sure the question will probably come up about abs and core training because um, it typically does. There's a number of different ways you can go about your, your abs and core training. Um, you know, in the past, I've done multiple times per week, even daily at one point, just a lot of reps with abs work like direct abs training pretty much every single day so high frequency high volume and i've done the other side of it where i've done very minimal direct abs work um you know focus more so on my compound lifts i've done core work um i've maybe done one or two sessions per week if that sometimes and the results have been very 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 similar um i like to personally now i like to to program in maybe one or two abs or core exercises per session just every time I go in, maybe do one or two exercises. Um, I find that probably a bit more enjoyable. And uh, to, for me, I just can't be fucked finishing a session and then going and spending 10 minutes of doing abs. I just don't enjoy that. Some people do. I don't think it's that necessary to do because you are using your core, using your abs in pretty much every exercise we do in the gym. And remember as well, you cannot spot reduce fat. So doing endless amounts of crunches is going to do fuck all for what your abs look like. Um, I think you'd still get a lot of benefit out of doing less abs work and just doing higher quality abs work. So some of my favorite exercises are things like hanging knee raises, uh, lying leg raises, things like core rotations with a landmine press or Russian twists, planks, pal-off press, um, what are the, some weighted crunches, decline crunches, all that type of stuff. But I'm still focusing on overloading, varying the rep ranges, keeping it the frequency for me is at the moment, the frequency is high, but the volume is low. So one or two exercises per session, you know, three sets, sometimes two sets, depending on, on what I feel like on the day. And um, and that's what I find best. But in the end of the day, it's, it's again, it's about what you enjoy. If you'd rather do a lot of ab work or you'd rather not do any at all, I think the results are going to be very, very similar. If you need to build up your core strength, keep in mind that that's different to doing direct abs work. So doing heaps of crunches is not going to make your core more stable on like a squat. Okay, that just, that's not how it works. You need to figure out again what the goal is and then pick your exercises accordingly with what that goal is. So that pretty much brings me to the end of the episode, guys. I hope you have taken some value from it. Um, these are the things that I like to think about when programming for someone. 
Remember what I said though, guys, the, the first step or the first um, thing we need to keep in mind is whether or not we enjoy it. Because if you don't enjoy it, it is, it's not it's not going to last. It's not You're not going to see the results that you want to see. So make sure enjoyment is at the top of that list and then work your way through the rest of it. Good luck planning your workouts. If you know if you want to put together your own program and send it through to me and, and get me to have a look over it and see whether I, I think it's on track with what we spoke about today, I'd love to be able to do that for you guys. Just send me an email, danny at dannykennedyfitness.com. I'd love to, to help you out. But I hope you've taken some value from today. If you have... You know what to do, take a screenshot, post it up on your Instagram story, tag me in it. I'd love to, to hear your thoughts and your feedback on today's episode. I hope you're having a fantastic day and a positive start to your week. And I can't wait to talk to you again in next week's episode.